Know my hearty Mikey, Tene Hotaka. Welcome to the panel. RNZ National Wallace Chapman here. Well, the mayor of Auckland has compromised on his proposal to sell the council's shares in Auckland Airport. Uh, we talk about that just after four. Stay with us on that. We have the better budget for Auckland Group. Now, they propose a second budget, a bit of borrowing, a mild rates rise we discussed. Also today, looking at the university cuts, not just hitting the large programs, a small program and the only one of its type facing cuts, also that on the program. From August, folic acid will be added to bread-making flour, described as a big win. Folic acid can prevent devastating birth defects, but why don't we just eat foods with folate, like citrus or broccoli? We talk about that. The loss of a student pub. What was your pub if you went to university? For me, it was the Ori. And Christopher Luxon wants you to have more babies. I encourage all of you to go out there and have more babies if you wish. That would be helpful. Do you support Luxon's call? Uh, apparently it was a joke, or perhaps not, who knows, but I put that to our panel at 425. You'll want to hear that. Text me, 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me, Ali Jones, Papua Nui Innes Central Community Board Member, Red PR Senior Consultant. Kia ora, Ali. G'day, how are you? Good, thank you. And Peter Fa'afiyu, Governance Consultant, Global Vice Chair for the International Board of Amnesty International. Peter, kia ora, good to have you here. Talofalava. Now, uh, to this, a formal parliamentary inquiry into whether Minister Michael Wood has complied with his obligations to declare certain interests under Parliament's standing orders was launched earlier today. And Parliament heard today that Wood has now sold his airport shares for $16,000. That money will be donated to the Anglican Trust uh, Charity. Some have called for him to be sacked. Meanwhile, Education Minister Jan Tanetti, he fa- she faced questions from Parliament's Privileges Committee today. She said she deeply regrets not fronting up about misleading Parliament earlier. So she told Parliament she did not have a say in releasing truancy stats when, in fact, she did. And when discovered this was incorrect, Tanetti did not immediately correct the record but waited uh, 14 sitting days to do so. So a bit going on in politics with us as associate. Professor Grant Duncan, lecturers in politics at Massey University. Dr. Duncan, welcome. Kia ora, Wallace. Yes, well, um, a difficult week for Chris Hipkins, would you say? And first to Michael Wood, what do we have here? Shades of Stuart Nash? Oh, I don't think it's quite as bad as the Stuart Nash situation because with Stuart Nash, he had clearly breached... Uh, Cabinet unanimity and Cabinet collective responsibility in relation to party political donors. And um, that was a serious uh, breach of uh, constitutional conventions. Uh, in this particular case, uh, yes, it's, it is a problem. Um, I think everyone is convinced that uh, Michael Wood should have sold those shares long ago, or, or at least he should have more properly declared them, probably. But the matter is now before the Parliamentary Registrar of Pecuniary Interests, and so that goes now into a confidential process and will be looked at. And, um, you know, this goes this happens under the Parliament Standing Orders, so um, this isn't going to court. 
uh, under Parliament standing orders, and we'll just have to wait and see what the outcome of that process is. Okay, and with Jan Dometti, the Privileges Committee will determine whether uh, the delay would amount to contempt. Um, but, but let's bring in our panel, and they'll want to comment on either of those. Ellie Jones. Well, actually, I've got a question for Grant. I, being in local government, I'm an elected member in Christchurch, and you see some of this stuff every now and then. And I wondered why this has been happening. And I came up with tiredness, brain fade, uh, a lack of connection with the real world. You know, do do they feel they're above everybody else? Maybe they've become used to doing things a certain way, and so they they lose that that perspective of what's right and what's wrong. Is there anything in a, any of those things? Do you think? Uh, well, yeah, but on the other hand, um, today in the Auckland Council governing body, there are three councillors who own Auckland Airport shares, including Michael Wood's partner, as it happens, That's and right. all three of them have been cleared to vote on the question of the sale of Auckland Airport shares. So I think, you know, there could be, you know, when we put it in that perspective, we might be getting a bit ahead of ourselves if we think there was a major conflict of interest here, but I take your point on the other hand, that um, what made Michael Woods' case a little bit weak was he said that although he'd been reminded several times by the Cabinet Office, he just hadn't gotten around to it, he was too busy, but that's more or less like saying, well, that wasn't a priority for me, and is therefore not a very convincing reply. So uh, he should have sold those shares, now, I don't think there's any doubt about that, because the Cabinet Office had been inquiring about them. Um, his excuse was that he was, I guess, too busy. But this is different to what he said originally too, and this is what's thrown me about the Woods situation, is that when he was first asked about this, he said, I had told the... I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I told the person who looks after these things for me to sell them. I thought they had mm. been sold. So why then come back the next day and the following day and say, look, I've been mm. meaning to do it, but I haven't got round to it? I mean, are we've got porkies going on here or what? Oh, you'd have to ask Mr Wood that. Yeah. <laughs> Good <laughs> answer. Well, let's bring Peter in. Look, on you know every board that I've been on, you know at the start of of every board session, you have a, a register of interests and you have a conflict of interest right. discussions, right? So every board, whether you're community board or corporate board, are having those discussions in the first five to seven minutes, right? So th- that's how critical you know conflict of interest and registering your interest is to any governance. Now they're in roles with powerful ministerial warrants, right? And so what it does is shows not only a lack of judgment, but it's a lack of experience because experience governors would have that discussion, deal with the conflict and register the interest straight away. That didn't occur. So it's a lack of governance experience, but also even on the Taniti issue, it's a lack of experience. Just because you have a subject matter expert in a ministerial role doesn't mean you are good at governance. What do you think of that, Grant? Uh, well, yes, uh, I agree. I, I, as I understand it, uh, Woods did declare the shares to the Cabinet Office when he became a minister in 2020, uh, the Cabinet Office obviously repeatedly asked him whether he was going to sell them or had sold them, and he didn't. He would have done it now, but he didn't do it in the meantime. So uh, that should have been done, I agree. And then there's the other question that has now gone into a confidential process with the registrar, the parliamentary registrar of pecuniary interests, and so we'll have to wait and see what comes out of that. What sort of damage will it be? Because, you know, Minister Michael Woods was seen, uh, Grant, as, I guess you could say, a bit of a rising star there, you know, uh, able to fulfil his portfolios um, pretty well, and then this. Oh, yes, and he, you know, he kind of tentatively put his hand up 
to uh, succeed Jacinda Ardern. And, and, you know, there was a sense that, yeah, he was a relatively young uh, rising star in the Labour cabinet. Well, I guess this really does perhaps some... Um, uh, change that situation, and it's certainly not uh, this Anatomy affair. Is certainly not the kinds of things that uh, Chris Hipkins would want to be having to deal with at the moment, with an election what uh, four or so months away. And just finally, so you had Jan Donetti, Michael Wood, Stuart Nash, also those issues around Justice Minister Kerry Allen. You had that defection, didn't you, of Mika Faitiri. Uh Is this a a pattern, Dr Duncan, or what are we seeing here <laughs> with Labour? Yeah, it's certainly looking like a pattern, isn't it, Wallace? And I, I think someone was counting we've had one of these problems every six weeks or so uh, for Chris Hipkins. Um, yes, it, it's not looking good. I mean, governments have survived elections under these kinds of rolling mall sorts of scandals before, but um, given the, the neck-and-neck situation in the opinion polls, uh, However, I would have to say that, you know, we have to assume that this is doing Labour's chances some damage. Dr. Gra- Duncan, thank you for your time again. That's you. uh, Dr. Duncan from Massey University. He lectures there. Uh, meanwhile, a lot of response coming through. Needless to stay about their response. Um, Chris Luxon, uh, he is the uh, leader of the National Party. He wants you to have more babies, uh, <laughs> quoting, I encourage all of you to go out there and have more babies if you wish. 2101 is do you support that call or do you not want um, uh, Christopher Luxon in your bedroom? Uh, uh, Oh, Oh, I have to poke my mind's eye out now. Love to hear and and stay uh, tuned for 425 when Ali Jones and Peter Fafia will be um, bringing uh, their opinion on that topic to us. All right, time for I've been thinking. Ali Jones, take it away. I'm sorry to keep bringing up the earthquake stuff, but I hear Mr Grafton on the news now dismissing the complaints that uh, people that are dealing with claims about the weather in Auckland and around the Bay of Plenty are, are not being low-balled at all. This is a, after a story that I saw ran on One News, and I think it ran on RNZ as well. Uh, and a woman basically put her costs in after getting them done by a builder to reinstate her, her home after the damage. Came in at about $90,000. And when she went to the insurance company, they went, and look, I'm taking this from the news story, so I haven't talked to the woman or anything, but when she put her, her claim in for about 90 k to get the work done, the insurer said, I don't think so, it's about $20,000 by our reckoning. So she asked them for a scope of the works, the damage, and what it was costed at, and she was told she couldn't have it. Now, reading the story by this stage, I was hyperventilating. I was getting conniptions. This is exactly what happened, amongst a number of other things, but exactly what happened in Canterbury after the earthquakes here. And we had so many reviews. We had the Ombudsman, the Faultline Review, we had Dame Sylvia Cartwright's review. And the correct process was reiterated. Uh, it was promoted. The bad practices were highlighted and rejected. And this BS is still happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard the Insurance Council come up today, come out today and say that this has been unverified. Well, I have got dozens. And we were one. We were one of them who was low-balled and got uh, really? far bigger. Yeah, absolutely. There are hundreds and hundreds of people that are low-balled by insurance companies. So I just want to say to the people who are struggling up north, go to the national uh, National um, Claims Resolution Service. Okay, they're independent. Uh, they will help you. It's free. Do not do this on your own. Do not do this on your own. But um, I just, my heart goes out to you, and I'm so sorry. Have we not learned anything? 
Very good. Ali Jones, kia ora for that. All right, Peter, for, for you, I've been thinking. Um, my, my dad said to me that uh, the most powerful words in any language are thank you, please, and sorry. And it's interesting now that I've got six kids, you know, uh, um, I, you know I'm always reminding them of those three phases. Um, but then, then I've spent sort of the last couple of weeks sort of, you know, my own, you know, own social experiment, um, sort of, you know, in, as I engage with, um, with adults in a professional and personal sense. Uh, I don't know what it is, but, you know, you know as adults, um, or maybe it's as society, we're starting to forget those, those magical words, um, particularly because those words, you know, matter to fellow human beings. So, again, it's that thank you, it's that please. It's that sorry, um, and 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 I don't know. I've, it's my own sort of personal experiment, but you know, the last couple of weeks. But uh, I think the standards uh, um, uh, have changed somewhat, or maybe it's just the people that, that I engage with. Um, maybe I should stop hanging out with my family. But uh, <laughs> but you know, it's 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 an interesting one. So but what are they? Please, thank you, thank you, and sorry, and sorry. Yep. Interesting you say that because I was at a um, cafe this morning getting a, a takeaway, and the person in front of me said. Um, I'll have a coffee. Mm. And there's no please and no thank you. And it did strike me. Is anybody else getting this, what Peter's saying? Is there an absence of your fundamentals uh, today? Your please, your thank yous, your sorries. What do you think, Ali? I look, I totally agree with you. I'm so glad you said this. One thing I've, I've started doing for what it's worth is if I see or hear a young person particularly saying please, thank you or whatever, I'll actually say to the young person or the mm. parent, wow, what great manners. That's yep. really impressive. And I, I think if people actually support that, um, we're showing that it is important. Is, yep. it, is, it, is it still relevant in, in the 21st century to have those small words Absolutely. in the age of social media? Of course. Oh, more so. More of, course, so. Even, of course, because at the end of the day, we're still human, right? Yeah. You know, and we're connected. You know, what's that, what's that um, magical South, um, you know, South African phrase of Ubuntu? You know, we're interconnected, we're interdependent, right? We can't, we can't get away from each other. Please, thank you. What's the other one? Sorry. Sorry. Oh, I've already forgotten it. All right. You're Thank on. you, Wallace. <laughs> Good on you, Wallace. You're on the panel, RNZ National. There is a lot to discuss. Do stay with us right here, talking the Auckland budget right after four. And should we have more babies?